Hey everybody, welcome to the Go Outdoors podcast. My name is Ramon. I am your host. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you decided to tune in and spend some time listening. On this podcast, we hear stories from anglers, hunters, and outdoorsmen and women who enjoy spending their time out of doors. Today we have an awesome episode for you. I had the opportunity to talk to fitness expert Jordan Syatt about his first hunt and what led him to want to start hunting. We talk everything from his anti-hunting background to the things that surprised him as he was on his journey to becoming a hunter. So thank you again and enjoy. All right. So thanks again, Jordan, for joining. Um, Super pumped we got to connect and I, I got to take a little bit of your day today to talk about your first hunt. Um, if you want to take a few minutes to introduce yourself and give, give like a little, um, intro to who you are, what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I am, my name is Jordan. I'm a personal trainer, strength coach, nutrition coach, and, um, that's pretty much it, man. That's, that's me in a nutshell. There's not too much more to it. No. Yeah. And, and it's cool. Cause I've been Following along with you for quite some time now, my first introduction to you was, um, I think like most people is you were training Gary V. Mm. And um, that's kind of where I found, you know, um, I was following Mike for a while. And then um, you were introduced into his little world. And I started following you along just because of the way you approach fitness and nutrition in general was really simple and made a ton of sense. So that's kind of where I started following along. And then you did a podcast, I think it was with Rich, I think Malloy. Yeah, yeah. You did a podcast with Rich and I had been following Rich separately. Really? On Instagram because he does great, you know, Instagram posts about hunting and and being in the outdoors. That's so funny. Yeah, so when worlds collided, I was like this is I have to listen to it. So I it, it was great and that podcast um introduced me to your three meals two snacks rule mm. which since i started doing that i was 190 like around may i think i was at 190 i'm currently at 183 bro and congrats. it's it's it, and it's been the most easiest thing i've done because I, it's just something like i'm not because I, I used to track calories i used to do food um weighing things out and and i could do that it just eventually got worn out on that yeah yep so this made it so much easier for me and it's way more sustainable so first off thank you for that yeah dude that's awesome that's how rich lost like 100 pounds that's amazing yeah i remember so uh, that that was pretty cool and then your interest in the outdoors from that if i remember correctly at the end of that podcast rich was like you know come out we'll shoot shoot my bow if you're interested and you seem very interested yeah and uh and that's kind of what you know not, not necessarily kept me following you, but I was very much anticipating your step into, you know, the outdoors and hunting. Yeah. So um, I, I guess where, to, where I'd like to start is kind of your background in hunting and outdoor sports in general. Um, yeah. So, yeah, man. So, well, it's funny, like I've known Rich for years because he he's also a personal trainer and we lived in, in the Boston. I, I don't live in Boston anymore. I live in Texas now, but we were, we were neighbors for a long time. And, uh, I grew up in a very, very, uh, liberal house, a very liberal house and a very, you know, anti-guns, anti-hunting, 
that was just what I was indoctrinated with. And um, I always just assumed because that's what I was taught that like that what I was taught was right and what they were doing was wrong and that guns were bad and hunting was bad. And that's because that's just everything that I was taught growing up. And I remember actually when I met Rich and I found out that he was really into hunting, I was like, what? Like, how, what do you mean? Like, and it made no sense to me. And I would like tease him about it and da, 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 da. And, and now years later, as I've gotten older and I've gotten more into just like having my own thoughts, as opposed to just taking what people give me at face value, I've been like, man, you know what? Like, I actually think the second amendment makes a lot of sense. Like, you know what? I actually think hunting makes a lot of sense. And like, I, the only group of people that I could understand, like who would be logically consistent with no hunting, I could understand would be vegans because they don't eat any, any meat or any fish or any animal products. But interestingly, when I started talking about hunting, the vegans were the most supportive. They were like, listen, obviously we'd prefer people didn't do it, didn't eat meat, but if you're going to, this is the most ethical way to do it by far. And I was so taken aback by that. Um, I found the people who were the most upset about hunting were the people who like me ate meat, but never actually harvested their own meat. It's yeah. just like they just didn't like the because a lot of the mainstream view of hunting is is built around trophy hunting and like you're yeah. just hunting to kill something not for using it but for the sake of showing off, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's sort of what was in my head. And the idea of of using it as food was like, nah, that like I th I sort of thought people were just saying that in order to just to justify killing it, but in that's actually what they're doing. They're doing it to feed their yeah. families and feed people. Um, so I got really, really, really into this idea of like, oh my God, like I'm a hypocrite because I eat meat. So someone else is killing it for me. And often more, more often than not, it's probably in terrible living conditions. The mm -hmm. animals, like they're not being treated well and they're like just being slaughtered by the masses and I'm not putting in any work and I can go into the grocery store and pick up a package of meat and not think twice about what went into putting it there. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was something that I was like, all right, for me to not be a hypocrite, I have to do this. Like that was literally what it boiled down to is like, it's going to be very uncomfortable for me, but unless I do this, I'm a massive hypocrite. So I, I started to research it and dive into it. And I've had a bunch of people reach out and, uh, I was really lucky because one of my buddies here in Texas, his name is Charles. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, he's a Marine and he's been hunting since he was 12. And basically he was just like, Hey man, I'll, I'll, I'll take you out. His family has a, a good chunk of land out in Texas. And he took me and another friend out. It was both of our first times. And, and man, it was, it was a hell of an experience. It was, it awesome. was I, I mean, I, I never growing up had much experience in the outdoors. Like I did sports, I wrestled, I yeah. played baseball, I did soccer, but I never did much outdoors ever. Like my family was never really into that. I never learned how to do that. But it's funny because over the last, you know, ever since really COVID started, I've gotten more into politics and I've gotten yeah. more. Into, and now all of a sudden I'm like, man, I need to learn how to grow my own food and raise. I want to be able to provide for my family without having to rely on anything or anybody else. Uh, so like I've really started to get in that over the last few years and it's been a rewarding experience thus far. And I know I'm just at the beginning. Yeah, no. And that's kind of along the lines of what I've been seeing with most adult onset hunters and that's um kind of what what we are as essentially we're adult onset hunters 
I first got into hunting before the pandemic. Okay. And it was something that I wanted to do for a long time. Just never had the resources, never had the time and never really had anyone to take me out. That was, that was the biggest issue was, um, the, what I found is the barrier of entry is someone to show you the ropes because mm. it can be a severely daunting thing. I'm sure once you started doing research, you're like, Oh, I got to do hunter safety. I gotta, I gotta mm. take classes. I gotta take tests. I have to, uh, get proficient with my, whatever weapon I'm going to use. There's, is a huge learning curve. And that was one of the things that always kept me back. So, um, my first hunt was in 2019 and it only came about because I, he won't admit it, but I technically invited myself on my coworkers hunt. <laughs> and um, he's, he's a super great guy. And um, he, he's now like living in Ohio. But when um, I was telling him, I'm like, I'm kind of thinking about getting into hunting this year, but I don't know where to start. And he goes, and he goes, Oh, I hunt. Uh, I'm planning on going in December. And I'm like, do you mind if I come with? He's like, yeah, man, just go do your hunter safety and you can come. And I'm like, okay. So I literally, I don't think he was expecting me to do it. Cause um, this was in New Jersey, by the way. So Jersey has um, seven day gun season. Now you oh, can wow. hunt with yeah. a gun outside of that, but there's the seven day gun season where that's kind of your main go-to if you don't want to pay for additional permits. So um, yeah, we went out. I didn't see a single deer. It was the only snow i think that december and but it was still such a great time we saw a lot of tracks we saw a lot of of uh, basically just like kind of kicked everything off for me and and it was great um for you what were the steps that you took what surprised you in what you actually had to do to get mm. out on your first hunt and what was your first hunt like well, so, I mean, first and foremost, speaking of hunter safety, like I never thought that that would have been a thing, like, yeah. like, like have to mm -hmm. take this like hunter safety course uh, and then buying the permits and realizing that all of the money for the permit goes to land conservation and mm -hmm. for like, the environment. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is actually really cool. My whole life, I've never once donated to environmental, like to, mm -hmm. to the land environment or the conservation of land, especially not locally. Like I've donated to charities many times, but never once towards like an environmental thing. And yep. now it's like, I'm realizing, man, these hunters are actually providing a ton of income to oh, help yeah. conservation and land, which I did not realize. And I love that. And then um, it's funny because my thought around hunting, which I, I knew nothing going into it. I knew absolutely nothing. So my thought was based purely off of what I imagined and movies. Mm -hmm. And I just assumed that hunting meant you're in the woods and you're hiking and trekking through the woods until you find an animal that you want to, that you want. And I have even seen since then, I've even seen movies where that's what they do, where they're like yeah. trekking through the woods and, you know, they're like trying to be quiet, but they're still making a fair amount of noise. And then they just happen to stumble across a deer for like 20 feet away. And then they shoot it with their gun. I'm like, well, that's nothing. What my hunt was like at all. Mm -hmm. Like my buddy has a bunch of land and he has some blinds set up throughout the land. He has some tree stands and once we got out there or before we even got out there, he was like, at a certain point, I'm going to tell you to stop talking and we're going to be making as little noise as possible. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And we sat down in a blind for like five hours and didn't say a word and just sat there quietly. And, and that was it. 
Yeah. And I was like, man, I really thought this was going to be very different. And uh, so we were out there for two days. So the first, he, he was shocked because this is right near the end of hunting season. And he was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be very honest with you. If we see one deer, I'll be really happy. He's like, I don't expect there to be many deer, if any. So we get out there, we sit out there for like five hours and like right before, this is like Friday night. So right before the like hunting time is over, because they have like the time at like which you have to stop around sunset or something. It's like 30, it depends state to state, but sometimes it's like 30 minutes after sunset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like we were like, it was 10 minutes left and all of a sudden uh, 170 yards away because he has one of those things to see how hard it is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. range finder, yep. So 170 yards away, there's a deer and he was like, all right, this is it. Let's wait for it. Let's wait for the broadside for it to turn around to the broadside. And we had practiced all of this before. And I, I have guns and like I shoot every week. So like I'm pretty, pretty comfortable with the gun. Um, so I take my shot and, and he was like, oh, you hit it. You got it. And I was like, oh, my God. So like we run out, we go down there and the deer's not there and there's no blood. I'm like, what the mm-hmm. hell happened? And we realized that, so he has a feeder that spits out corn two times a day and he, he protected the feeder with this fencing so that hogs couldn't get into it. Yeah. And so we found it. And I could, I sh- could show you the picture. The bullet hit one of the, the, the wires on the fence Oof. and okay. it deflected. And luckily it didn't hit the deer. Cause like, yeah. I wouldn't want it to hit the deer in a bad place and then not be able to find it or anything, but we found the bullet. There was no blood. So I missed that one, but like, he was like, oh man, that would have been a great shot. That was the first day. Didn't do anything. Went back, went to bed, woke up super early in the morning. Uh, like woke up at like four in the morning, mm-hmm. got up. Uh, it's freezing outside. We go out, same exact thing, sitting there for hours. Um, then we saw a doe and her two fawn mm-hmm. with her. And, and Charles was like, all right, man, like if you see the shot, you can take it at the doe. Cause here it's okay to, to shoot a dino in some places. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, yeah. And, and I looked at him and I was like, man, I can't take that shot. And he was like, and, and, I, and I apologize, like, man, I'm really sorry. Like, I just, my heart, I can't take that shot. Yeah. And, and that's very understandable. It's hard like, to, it's hard to see um, a doe and a fawn and not oh, feel something. Yeah. If you haven't yeah. been doing this your entire life. And if, I'll t- if, if my family was in need of food, mm-hmm. I would have taken that shot for sure. But I knew like, even if I don't get any deer throughout this whole thing, like I'm still going to be able to feed my family. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. an advantage we have now, or I have that many people don't or have not had. So I I said, I'm sorry, man, I can't take the shot. And he looked at me, he's like, bro, you're the one that has to sleep at night. Don't worry about it. If you don't want to take the shot, you don't take the shot. Yeah. And, and, and he was like, he's like, I would take the shot, but I'm not giving it. You don't have to. So we didn't take it. They went away. It was fine. Um, And then, and then, so, that was in the morning and we went from like five, five thirty until about 10. Then we took a break. Cause he said that we're probably not going to see anything in like the middle of the day. And yeah. then, um, we went back out that night and then I went to a different blind at night and I was there for like five or six hours all by myself this time. Uh, Charles and my other buddy went to a different one. And again, with about 10 minutes left in hunting time, I'm like looking out to my left and I see a pair of eyes in the woods. I'm like, Oh, this is a buck and it was the first buck that i'd seen uh I, i'd seen the whole weekend mm-hmm. and and i can't believe i even saw this many deer on my first hunt and and he starts walking out and he's about 40 50 yards away and he's walking towards a feeder that is about 100 yards away 
but I didn't want him to get that far out. If I could take a closer shot, I would rather take a closer shot. So he's just walking. Like he's not like not running, just slowly walking. Yeah. And I have my, the, I have the scope on him. I have a good shot, but I don't, I want to wait until he stops moving. Um, but I see he's getting further and further away. I was like, I, I just got to take this shot now. And he was broadside and it was like, I shot him and it, it literally went right through his heart, which I was very mm -hmm. happy about. Like it, he, he ran, he, I couldn't believe that he still ran after I shot him through his heart. Like, yeah, he, he ran for about 30 more yards. And I was like, Oh my God, like I must've missed. I thought that I like must've only shot his leg or something. So I jumped out of the blind. I'm sprinting after him. And then, uh, and then he, he falls down and I just see him breathing and, and it's cold out. So I see the air coming out of his nose and, mm -hmm. uh, I got real emotional, man. Like I got yeah. really, and, and I was sitting down and I, I was like apologizing to it. And I was just, I was petting him as he was passing. Um, and I was like saying a prayer just like for a quick and easy and painless death. And, um, and, and that was it. And then I was literally patting him while I watched the, his last breath. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then we brought him back. Charles was, Charles was stoked. Like he was a great guy to go with on my first hunt. He was just like, this is awesome. Oh my. he like, he was super excited. So we, we picked him up, put him on a truck, drove him back to Charles's place, strung him up. And Charles walked me through how to field dress him right there. Yeah. Like just gut him completely. That was a whole other experience. Yeah. Like, if you're not prepared for that, it's, oh it's one of those things that is just, it's, it's a visceral re like reaction. You just can't help, but, but be like, Oh wow. <laughs> you know, to hold his heart in my hand mm -hmm. was crazy to, I, I think one of the craziest things for me is how hot it was inside mm -hmm. the body. Even like, 30 to 45 minutes later, it was like, it was so hot inside of the body. And, and Charles was like, thank God you shot him in the heart and not in the organs. Cause that would have been a whole mess. Messy. To get that mm -hmm. out. Um, so that was fine. And, and then I thought he was joking. He's like, we got to take the butt out. Mm -hmm. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what? And then he's like, no, I have this thing. And he literally, he literally has a product called the butt, butt out. out. 2.0 yeah <laughs> yep. and it, and he, he didn't do any of it for me he's like bro you've got to do this like you've got to learn how to do it and like this is yours mm -hmm. so i took its butt out which i like, yeah. couldn't believe i was doing um and then yeah and then we took it to the processor and uh and i got a whole bunch of steaks and it, I, it should be ready in about a week or so but i got a bunch Sweet. of steaks got a bunch of summer sausage got like a whole bunch of stuff i'm gonna have about 50 pounds of meat Nice. which I'm, I'm like super excited about. So, and I definitely want to do it again. Hey, I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash remote outdoors. If you're new to the outdoors and want to learn how to fish, I have a great beginner's guide to fishing series. And I also have a whole mess of fishing adventures so you can follow along on my journey as I try to become a better outdoorsman. Again, that's youtube.com slash remote outdoors. Before your first deer, because first off, that is an incredible like story, especially for a first hunt. Because I know a ton of people whose first hunts like were similar to mine. They didn't see anything yeah. or they saw something and they only had one opportunity. But the fact that you had like some chunk of time set aside for that is great. I remember my first shot opportunity. Um, no, even before that, what I thought was my first shot opportunity um, was on that first hunt. I was um just sitting up against the tree we had been sitting there for hours quietly and out of the corner of my eye i see something poke out behind a down log 
And I, it's like my adrenaline spiked and I could feel it. Like, I kid you not. It felt like my pupils dilated. Yeah, when yeah. I saw it, it was a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. So I was like ready. And then like the, the adrenaline dump afterwards was some like, I, I like, I was like, either I'm cold or my adrenaline dump because I just started shaking after I realized it was a squirrel. <laughs> but my first shot opportunity that I ever had on a deer was one of the most frustrating, but for me, beneficial acts of like patience or practice of patience because uh, it was with a bow and I told myself 20 yards and in and broadside Hmm. and that deer would not turn broadside at all the entire time and it went on its way and I never had a shot. I was sitting there ready, basically ready to draw when I had the chance, never got the shot and it, it was exactly where I needed to be. It was 15 yards. It was a doe by itself and never got that full broadside shot so that was one of the biggest like letdowns but also i was very i was very happy that it went the way it did because i had complete control over what i was going to do which was kind of one of my goals is like i this is my standard i'm not moving from it so when you saw your first deer and you were ready to get in that shot what was going through your through your mind like was it all muscle memory or were you was it a lot of thinking what was going on um you know so in terms of like operating the gun i felt very good i i make sure that i shoot every week i feel very comfortable with the gun um so that that was totally fine it was in in my mind i had already i had already committed to like if i if i get this shot and it's going to be clean i'm going to be killing a deer um so I, I wasn't really i wasn't really having second thoughts about that it was more just like i want to make this the best shot i possibly can to make sure that if i kill this deer it's as quick and painless as possible like that's really the main thing that kept going through my head it was like i need this to be a perfect shot mm-hmm. uh, which i know like isn't always possible uh, and I know like I've heard stories of hunters who like they feel terrible where they get a shot off and it injures the deer, but they don't yeah. actually kill it. And then like sometimes the deer will get away and they can't find it. Mm-hmm. And that's just how uh, they'll try and track it for hours and hours or days and like just devastating. Um, so I didn't want that to happen because if I like I knew if I shot it and then couldn't find it or if it went on for another hour, like I would probably would have been in a, a real bad headspace. So for me, the the big thing in my head was just slow breaths calm yourself mm-hmm. and and honestly i really think so i've been doing jujitsu for a long time i wrestled for for a while and uh i think that's helped a lot in stressful situations mm-hmm. like this where uh, for example in jujitsu it's like y- you have to be calm while someone's choking you out or trying to choke you out yeah and i actually think that's helped me a lot in in this situation and other situations where it's like all right this is stressful but breathe and controlling my breathing is one of the most important things that I did. And and I think it helped make my shots much cleaner. No. Yeah, definitely. Breathing is probably the most important thing, whether it's bow or gun for, for me, like some of the things that I would do, it sounds silly, but so I was mostly hunting from the ground when I was hunting in Jersey and I'm in North Carolina now, but when I was hunting in Jersey, I was mostly hunting from the ground. So I would be hiking for long distances and, and, you know, if I had needed to move quickly because I could see something out in the distance, I would need to like, you know, huff a little bit. So what I would do is I would basically like run laps in my backyard as fast as I could. And I had a relatively large backyard in Jersey. I would run laps as fast as I could stop, try and calm down my high mm. heart rate 
draw and let out three shots as accurately as I could. And the first time I did that, I was horrible. Yeah, I was like, that, yeah. I need to do this more. And it wasn't necessarily that I was out of shape. It wasn't a cardio issue because I can, you know, at a, at a slow enough pace, I can run for miles. Yeah. It was a getting my heart rate back down quickly as possible and getting myself under control that because it sense. wasn't and, and because it's a bow i mean I'm, I'm sure you know if you talk to rich it's more you know repetition is key and being able to do the same thing over and over again is key yeah. so that was something that i had to learn how to do specifically for bow because I'm, I'm more comfortable with the gun anyways but yeah. in jersey the bow season is months like got from, it, from september it all the way till um, early December. And then it kicks back up in the winter, like mid January until the end of February. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it's that long yeah. of a period. So it made sense for me to start bow hunting. When you first missed that shot, or not missed, when you first uh, um, took your first shot and you couldn't find the deer, what was going through your mind? Dude, I was petrified because at first I was I was looking for blood on the ground because mm -hmm. it was a good shot. It was right around heart level. It was like, it was completely broadside. Like I felt very confident with that shot, um, and I was like, I don't understand what happened. And then and we finally were looking around, looking around the ground, and then Charles noticed that the the fence had been broken, and he mm -hmm. was like, No way! And so then we realized that it, it hit that fence, and then it was deflected. But I was I was just really petrified that I had injured yeah. the deer and then it was mm -hmm. going to be on its own um fortunately that wasn't the case but dude it's funny like so charles loves bow hunting as well he prefers bow hunting but i've never bow hunted and my buddy who was with us he had never bow hunted so it was like all right we're not going to bow hunt our first time um yeah. but after the first night out so we went friday night and then saturday morning and then and saturday afternoon when we were just hanging out he was like hey let's try and teach you how to shoot the bow and I think it was like, he said it was a 75 pound string. I don't know if that uh, I'm saying properly. Draw weight. Draw, mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I couldn't, I couldn't even get it back. Yeah. I, I, and he said he was like, partly is because the bow is too big for me. Like I'm a short dude, but like, dude, How tall I, is he? I couldn't, uh, he's, a, I think he's about six feet. Um, okay. I couldn't get it back. And I was like, what the. I'm a world, <laughs> world record power lifter, man. Like I'm not a weak guy, but I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I can't. And then like people are in tree stands pulling this thing back or like Cam Haynes, who's doing it with like a 90 pound Yeah, he's got like a 90 pound bow. Holy so, I was like, this is so embarrassing and emasculating, man. What the hell? So it's funny you say that. So um, I'm 5'7", and my bow is at 70 pounds draw, right? And when I first got my bow, I, I, I bought this bow with a complete, after doing tons of research, I needed one that I could adjust draw weight by a wide range. Mm -hmm. When I first got the bow, I had it down at 35 pounds because really? I could not draw it. it. It came like I, I went to the store and bought it and the guy was like, it's set to 50 pounds. Are you good there? And he let me like put on the release and draw it and I could not get it back. He goes, we're just going to crank it down a little bit. And he got it down <laughs> to 40 and I was able to get it to 40. But it was hard. Yes. But when I took it home to practice, I could not get it back. And it, and and the way it was described to me, because I have buddies that bow hunt is like, it has nothing to do with your actual strength level. It has everything to do with the fact that you've never used those muscles yeah. that way before. Yeah. And for you, your, your, your friend being six feet, 
his draw length is different. Yeah, so exactly. He probably, I'm assuming he had a compound bow, the one with the gears on the top and the bottom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So those have set draw lengths. And there's this, um, okay, man, the name of it is escaping, but once you get to a certain point, it gets easier and it locks. It's um, let off, essentially. Okay. So you draw, it's, it's full weight, full weight, full weight, and then it drops down to a certain percentage. So my bow has like a... 20% let off. So it's draw weight is 70 pounds and then it drops down to like 10 pounds of holding weight, right? Got it. Yep. And since he's got a longer length than you, you have to pull it way yeah. further back. So it's funny you say that because, you know, like you said, you're a world renowned power lifter. You, you're, you're, you're in shape. My brother, who's twice my size, he's 5'10, 5'11, and is like, you know retired marine super buff really in way better shape than i am when he went to go draw my bow he was doing all these wiggles all the <laughs> way around to get it out and he eventually got it out and he shot it and he was like what the heck and i'm like it has nothing to do with how strong you are it just has to do with everything that it's technique mm. and it, i mean you said you you do jujitsu yeah, yeah. It's not about strength, it's about technique. Correct. And it's similar there. Like there is some strength involved, but it's mainly being familiar with the movement, being familiar with technique. So, and that's kind of what drew me to bow hunting in the first place is like, you know, there's so much technique involved and there's a lot of repetition and it's kind of like doing the same process over and over again. And there's also something very zen about shooting a bow for me and getting as um as traditional as possible. I eventually would love to move to a traditional bow, but I'm still in this like compound bow stage. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. really, really cool. Do you have any interest in eventually doing archery? For oh, absolutely. Hunting? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like already, like, I, I don't know what bow I'm going to get, but I'm definitely going to get one. And I just, I want to do this more. And it, because man, even just doing it once, the, the appreciation, appreciation I have for the food that I eat has, mm -hmm improved dramatically like being like before i'd have salmon or or whatever and i, I like i just eat it without even thinking like how did yeah. this get on my plate like i, like, I want to do more bow hunting i want to do fishing like i really mm -hmm. want to get more into this and and uh and it's funny because the more i do it then the more i get into the environment and understand like how much i want to like i've never been i've never been big on uh environmental stuff i've never been mm -hmm. very educated on it i've never spent much time studying it or learning about it um but now that i'm getting more passionate about this that's coming as a byproduct which is fun for me so yeah. uh so i want to i want to explore more and get into all avenues of it yeah and that's one of the things that surprises a lot of people about hunters is how much they actually care about the um, environment around them how much they care about the wildlife um a lot of people like like yourself did not know that um hunters and anglers are one of the main sources of revenue or uh, funding for conservation and wildlife um yeah. the turkey population the wild turkey population is where it is today because of conservation dollars from you know the pittman robertson act that hunters contribute and also people who just you know purchase firearms and ammunition because that's there's a tax on firearms and ammunition which is the Pittman robertson act and that money is specifically for conservation mm. and um it always surprises people when you first told the people around you that hey i'm gonna go hunting people who 
you know, may not be in line with you, with you being okay or being okay with you going hunting, what was their reaction? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say most people were at the very least interested to learn more. Mm-hmm. There were a few people who were upset about it. There are a few yeah. people who were, yeah, there were a few people who were upset about it, um, who didn't, didn't even want to hear why didn't. And, and to be fair, that's how I used to be. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm being very honest, like that's, and so I couldn't be mad at them. Like I, cause I get it. I used to be that. Yeah. Uh, it's only very recently that I've, I've started to look at the world a little bit differently and, um, I used to be on the completely different side of the spectrum, man. So like, I, I think I'm in a unique position where I was brought up one way mm-hmm. and I've just, I spent the vast majority of my life thinking that was the right way. And the other side was bad. And now I've, I'm on the other side yeah. completely, bro. Like I complete, I've been like, none of this makes sense. It mm-hmm. just logically, it doesn't, none of this makes sense when you actually look at the research and the science and all of this, um, and so, yeah, so I, I'm not mad at any of them because I, I fully understand where they're coming from. But yeah, there were, there were a few people who were very, very upset and d- distraught about it. And, yeah. and they, they don't, un- they just don't understand why. Yeah. And, and I find a lot of that has to do with lack of understanding and education. Yeah. And it, so I had not similar, but close to reactions. So like I mentioned that my coworker is the one who got me out there and, mm-hmm. um, while this was all going on, while I was doing my hunter safety and getting preparing for this hunt, you know, he would, you know, walk by and talk. We'd talk about like the, the trip, but we never actually talked about it in front of a large group. And one day we're all, I'm having lunch with some coworkers and he walks by and he's like, Hey, are you ready for the hunt? And that kind of sparked the conversation with some coworkers who were similar in thinking like they ate, you know, they eat meat. Yeah. Um, but they're not comfortable with the idea of hunting. And that kind of sparked a ton of conversation. The first were like, you're going to go, you're going to go kill Bambi was the first thing that they said. (laughs) And I'm like, well, not him specifically, (laughs) but hopefully, you know, if I'm lucky, I can put an animal down and, you know, use that food to feed my family. And there was a ton of questions. And the first reactions were very much like, why would you go do that? But I feel like as the conversation went on, because they started learning about the experience um, through me and, you know, the fact that there's hunter education that a lot of people don't know about that you have to, um, at least in New Jersey, have to go through a um, field day that kind of gives you a safety proficiency test with your, um, with your weapon. um, And that there's a tons of rules and regulations of what you can and can't do it. I think it made it a little bit more palatable for them. Mm. as it went on because they're like you know ramon who sits in a cubicle all day and is very you know uh, uh amicable and and it and seems like a very civilized guy and is not what your typical like trophy hunter looks like is gonna go hunting yeah and i think that that challenges people's worldview a ton because when you think about your average hunter and you're not a hunter yourself you see that you know trophy hunter a middle-aged American man who's just out there looking for horns, right? Yeah, yep. But in reality is they're also using that meat to feed their family. They're also Mm -hmm. using that meat to feed friends and donating that meat. There's tons of, I think in Tennessee they have a, um, I know they do it in New Jersey too. They have a 
um, a foundation where you can donate your deer and the processing fee and they will give it to homeless shelters. To That's eat. Awesome. So That's it's, awesome. it's one of those things where it's like, we're not just feeding ourselves or trying right. to feed ourselves, but also feeding those people around us and those in need. And that I found made it a lot more easier for them to understand and made them like not hate me, which is great, you know, cause I like, my, <laughs> I liked my coworkers. I work somewhere else now, but I liked my coworkers a lot and didn't want to be like this pariah, but I wasn't also going to let that stop me because I feel like, you know, as a hunter, we are our own advocates because mm-hmm. if we don't advocate for ourselves, Hollywood's going to advocate for us, which doesn't necessarily always paint us in, you know, a positive light. Um, Anti-hunting groups are going to, you know, advocate for us in a negative way. They're going to control the narrative. And then you have just standard, you know, narratives that already exist of the, of the uh, backwoods hunter who has no regard for the people around him, which is a false, you know, stereotype. So I, I think knowledge and education and just like willing to understand is kind of usually the biggest stopgap. Dude, that's that's what it is in like in all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Right? I was literally just talking about this the other day how ig- ignorance is what breeds hate. Yeah. Right? Like when you're not knowledgeable or willing to be knowledgeable or willing to get educated on a topic and you're just ignorant on it, then that will breed hatred. For yeah. sure. No, it all that's what it does time and time again. The other thing that I think when I was younger and, and I, I didn't understand hunting, something that turned me off of it was the pictures that people would put up with oh, the yeah. animals they killed. And that's something that I've debated a lot since I killed my first buck where mm-hmm. I have a picture, mm-hmm. but I didn't post it. And I, mm-hmm. and, and on, and I, I told people why I, I said, I was like, listen, I don't want to post it. Um, I'm not going to post any pictures um, because I sort of thought of it as a way of like, if you go back on my Instagram in 2012, 13, 14, 15, you'll see a lot of like shirtless pictures of me when I'm really lean. Mm-hmm. And I did it on purpose for my own ego, right? I did it purely for ego and for likes because I was like, that's, that was it. This is like no other, like no bullshit. It was just ego. Mm-hmm. I realize that now. And that's why I don't do that stuff anymore. Um, and I thought before I went hunting that I was like, the reason that people would do this is for ego. It's like, why do people do anything on social media? It's almost always ego. Why would they post a bench press personal record or mm-hmm. I would post a shirtless picture? And I assumed that was the ego flex of hunters. Yeah. When I said that, I got a lot of great response. And there was one person who said something that was very interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I don't remember it verbatim, but to the effect of, and I looked on their page and they have pictures of, of them with their kills all over. And they were like, the reason that I do it is because it, it, for me, it's another way of serving as a reminder of the deer that mm-hmm. or the animal that gave their life for me, yeah. uh, for me and my family and all that. And I was like, I can get behind that. I, I can definitely get behind that. For me, it's just hard to, to see a picture and I have a picture of myself like this where the animal that you killed and then you're smiling and holding its head up. Right. It's like, yeah. it's difficult. Right. And so oh, I yeah. could understand why that just, cause I remember before I had hunted, I had seen those pictures and I would immediately leave the page. I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. But I, I also realized that avoiding it wasn't helping the issue. Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't post a picture of it. And I don't think I will 
but I will keep that picture yeah. and, and for myself and to remind myself of that. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it, that is sort of an interesting side of it that I think is one way that maybe the media might p- portray the hunting community or maybe even the hunting community contributes to portraying itself in that way with those types of pictures. It's like, and I don't know the answer. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I can see why people who are so anti-hunting would see that type of a picture and get even more upset about it. Yeah. And, and it, it's fun. It's everyone has their reason why they don't post and why they do post it. So if you go through, for example, my Instagram, you're going to see a lot of fish right now because I've been okay. fishing mainly, but what you're going to notice is they're all relatively small fish. Oh, yeah. And, and I do have some big fish catches, you know, big for me. But the question I always get is like, why are you posting such small fish? Is it because you can't catch big fish? And I'm like, no, this is the fish that I'm catching. I'm not <laughs> going to just tailor my Instagram feed to only big fish. Cause one, I'd hardly post. And two, it wouldn't be a true representation of what I'm trying to do with my social media, which is to show the reality of uh, a person who's learning to fish and learning to hunt. This is the reality is, is when I do get a buck, if it, whether it's a big buck or a small buck, you know, big antler, small antler is not going to matter. The point is that's going to be the first buck I get. And when I, if I choose to post it, which I probably will, it does to me it doesn't matter what the antler size is if it's a legal buck that i'm comfortable with shooting that i'm going to use to feed my family it's going to get posted to show like this is the reality you know it's not always like big like you know six by six bucks with you know big body sometimes it's just like a doe that that you get sometimes it's it's a small buck like a little like a little three by three that you might get and that's kind of the whole purpose of of mine so everybody has their reasons and you know, to, for someone to say like whether they should or shouldn't post something to me is, is there's better ways to be spending time and yeah, and, agreed. and energy because as long as that person, whether they're comfortable with posting it or not is willing to, you know, stand by what the reason is, then that's totally up to them Yeah. to, and, and you do have a good point is that there are people out there who will use um, gripping grins as a um, negative way to paint hunters. It's yeah. true. It happens all the time, whether it's, you know, international hunting or local hunting here, they, you'll see it all the time, but it, I, I think it shouldn't, if someone really wants to post it, I don't think it should deter them mainly because they know why they hunted that animal. And Correct. if, and if there are questions about it, they can always you know, talk on that subject for me, if I like, I like whether it's like I said, my coworkers wanting to ask why I'm doing it, why I'm deciding to do this. Uh, the main reason for me was one, I've always wanted to do it, but two, as I've gotten older is I want to get closer to my food. So I've mm. been taking steps outside of hunting to get closer to my food. Um, I buy like, uh, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say like, well, no, we'll do a fraction, a third, two thirds of my protein right now. My meat has come from a local farmer in the area. That's awesome. And, and it, you know, I'm blessed to be able to do that. There's not a people that can do that. Um, and doing a ton of research and buying it in bulk, it's, it is an investment. And, but doing that was a conscious decision, not just for, you know, quality of meat and ease of use and just having it on me, but it's more along the lines of, I feel better knowing that this animal had a better quality of life yeah. than the one that's 
being served at the grocery store, which is nothing wrong with that because I know there are people that, that, you know, that's what they have and that's all they can do. And that's, you know, some meat, if you want to eat meat is better than no meat. Correct. But um, if you have that opportunity to eat more local, to eat, whether it's hunting, vegan, what have you, or, or buying from a farm, you, you should definitely look into those avenues because that's the best thing you could do um, for yourself and for the environment around you, because there's, you know, not to get too environmentalist here, but the meat that you're buying at the grocery store has traveled a lot farther usually than the meat that you're buying from your farmer. And that in itself has implications. So it's one of those things that I have become very conscious of as I've gotten older and, and it, it pushes me to get out there more and to hunt more. Um, it's just lately it just has not been able it's not it hasn't been in the cards for me to be out hunting this season which is is a little disappointing but you know next fall i'm like primed and ready to go so you said you would do you do it again um are you looking to stick with deer hunting or are you looking into other types of hunting like small game hunting or maybe you know um uh, other big game animals or are you strictly for now going to stick to whitetail hunting so i mean for right now so i i'm i don't eat pork so i'm jewish and and Mm -hmm. i don't i don't really eat pork so i probably wouldn't need to kill hogs Mm -hmm. um i could potentially see myself doing that and donating it if i just want to get better at hunting and and use that practice and then donate that meat i would definitely do that um but for right now i think i'm i want to stick with whitetail um Mm -hmm. i just want to get better at it right yeah sort of like with I, I approach things very systematically, whether it's growing my business or social media or jujitsu. It's like with jujitsu, it's, or even strength training, I'll stick with one move and do it over and over and over and over and over again, just mm-hmm. to get as many reps in as I can with that, whether it's a jujitsu move or a strength training move or now like whitetail, like I just want to get better at it so that when I eventually do decide to go for something bigger or change it up, I have enough experience under my belt so that if something unforeseen happens, I don't freak out and I can Mm -hmm. keep myself under control. Um, so I want to make as many mistakes as I can now when it's like the most accessible things to me. And then as I get better and better and better and get more experience, I can do things maybe on my own or, and I can be okay with making mistakes on my own and then I can know how to, how to recover from it. So I would eventually like to travel, maybe get like some big elk or who knows, like I would like to go somewhere else because uh, I actually was talking to Charles, the guy who took me out and I told him the same thing. I told you how I was surprised that hunting was just sort of sitting down and yeah. for hours at a time. And he said he was like, he was like, yes, that is how we hunted this. But there are animals where it is sometimes more of a, of a hike and a trip yeah. and, and and depends on what you're doing and where you are that mm-hmm. will sort of dictate the type of hunt you're doing. And I know like I love sitting down is very difficult for me. I, I'm a super ADD guy. Like I'm all over the place. I've never been good at just sitting down. So that was actually very difficult for me to do like for for two whole days just sitting down. Um and I wasn't on my phone. I wanted to be like really present. So it was very difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to do something where I'm on the move and camping outside. And like, that sounds really, really exciting to me and something I would really enjoy. So I, I think I would like to do something like that in the future where I get to be moving and constantly sort of in pursuit of an animal as opposed to waiting for them to come to me. Yeah, no. Yeah. And there's def- definitely different ways to go about hunting. You, you said you were in a blind, right? Yeah. So that yep. does give you some 
freedom to fidget a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So that that's you know one benefit of being in a blind. Um, I did one hunt from a tree stand, and got completely like blown out by this deer. The deer <laughs> spotted me coming in, and for the rest of the time that the deer was there, every like few seconds, it would look down and then look back up at me. Down, <laughs> I was I was stuck there, and the the worst part is like you you can't move again because then that deer may never come back. Right, right. But yeah, like that sounds. I, I'm excited for you to go do those things just because I have hunted from the ground. I have hunted from a stand and those, those hunts are very, very different, very yeah, different. And there that. are different things to think about. Um, but yeah, man, I, I just want to say thanks again. So what did you wait? Let me ask the question. Did you eat some of that deer that night? Did you have any of it? No, no, we no? didn't have it. Okay. No, it's still being processed. They gotcha. still be, so uh, we don't, we don't have it yet, but yeah. Okay. Once gotcha. I do, I'll, I will definitely post about that for sure. Sweet. No, yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see um, what you end up. Do you have plans already for it? Like what you're going to cook first? Um, so, I mean, they had a bunch of samples at the processor mm -hmm. and the summer sausage was unbelievable. Yeah. So like, I, I'm probably going to have some summer sausage first. But I, from what I hear is the the back strip. The back straps. The back mm -hmm. straps. Sorry, the back straps are supposed to just be unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to make a bunch of steaks with those and I'll, def I'll cook those up for sure. Yeah, the that that and the tenderloins. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Don't um don't discount the um like the I don't know if you got any roast, but don't discount those roasts, man. Those are okay. Low and slow are probably going to be one of the most delicious things you eat. If okay. You're, if you're a fan of like uh, a pot roast or anything like that, yeah, 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 you're gonna love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll post all about it, man. Thank you. Sweet. But yeah, man, thanks again for taking the time. If you want to tell everybody where they can find you and look you up and anything else you'd like to plug, just feel free. Yeah, sure. Instagram is Syatt Fitness, S-Y-A-T-T -T Fitness. And if you Google my name, you'll find a bunch. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. And I'm definitely excited to follow along and see your future hunts. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you.